1: Faith here with your welcome toast. It was Thomas Wolfe who said, There is no spectacle on earth more appealing than that of a woman in the act of cooking dinner for someone she loves. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet, I feel that hot blood in my when it drops. Ooh. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're in our culinary studio at the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. We have the use of their five professional kitchens, part of their culinary education program. I'm with my food buddies I adore, Chris Prosperi. Senior producer Robin Doyan Aiken, Mark Raymond, Alex Province is away exploring the desert of Arizona. Hey everybody! <laughs> hey, hey, hey babe. babe. Okay, we have on this show Ina Garten of yeah. the Food uh, Network is going to be with us, and so she's on the road promoting a new cookbook, and it, it is. Really, something. And by the way, she reinvents a dish that so many of you—maybe not all of you, but so many Mm -hmm. of you—will remember from the Silver Palette Cookbook: Chicken Marbella. How many times have we all made this dish? She has updated it and put it in this new cookbook. So I'm just giving you a little tease about that. Right now, I would like to talk with you about. I just came back from leading that tour of Puglia. Italy. Puglia, for those who don't know, that is southern Italy. If you know that Italy is a boot, it's on the heel of the boot and two seas come together. And in fact, it is the longest stretch of uh, beach and the most loved beaches in wow. all of Italy. And so while you hear of people going to Positano and Amalfi, Capri, all that, the real place that Italians go, it's to the beaches of Puglia, wow. so gorgeous, Amazing you know, absolutely gorgeous. Seafood everywhere. Like Let me just that. tell you: here's what happens <laughs> when you're in Puglia. Every meal seems to open the same way. They give you buffalo mozzarella, okay, of course, but th- so good that it will ruin you for the rest of your life. <laughs> and um, then they give you lots of prosciutto. They might Long. give you um, speck or speck, as yeah, we say, yeah. you know, things like that. And it's just. Uh, Fantastic way to open, but it's over and over again. It's their thing. These products are all around them. And they have beautiful (sighs) cattle there. And so they have amazing steak as well as seafood. Seafood is everywhere. It is
2: amazing produce down there, too. Oh,
1: yeah, Mark.
2: All the vegetables, super warm climate, a lot of uh, Mediterranean influence. It's just, yeah.
1: And the wine is a special place. So good. Oh, yeah. Really good. We, the
2: Primitivo has always been a favorite of mine from that too. region. Me too. Yeah.
1: So if you're in American stores and you see a Primitivo from Italy, it's probably going to be at a good price and it's yeah. delicious. And it's
3: from that region.
2: Oh Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's oh, yeah. Cool. really, really delicious. That's yeah. the grape delicious. that grows there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very
1: cool. And, um, it's related
2: to red Zinfandel genetically. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mark. Does it oh. have that kind of? Flavor? It has the that sort of deep, file. rich texture and fruit flavor. It's yeah. a Boulder style red.
1: Well, we went with forty listeners. Nice. I've never gone with that many, you know, led Fun. a tour like that before, and we have our what we call our man on the ground, Franco Colombo of Mama Sole Tours, and he's the one who's in Italy. And when we say we want to do this or that, he will say, well, how about this too? Because you you drive right by this. And there's one restaurant I want to mention in particular. It is, without a doubt, the most dramatic, romantic, amazing setting of a restaurant I have ever ever been in, in my life. And wow. I believe me wow. on these tours yeah. and even on my own vacations, because of the work that I do, yeah. I have been in places that are just staggering. Dukas and sure. all this stuff, Monte, Monte Carlo, Carlo yeah. and all, you know, things where you, uh, well, you say this, I will never <laughs> ever live to do this again. <laughs> this is in a part of Puglia called Pulignare uh, Amare. So it's a seaside town, nothing super fancy. It does have a few designer stores. But, I mean, it's like like a beach town in America. And then these central squares and the village and churches and the whole thing. And we're walking all around. Then they said, now we're going to go into the restaurant for the big experience. This is probably the most important meal of the trip, but I'm wow. also selecting it because of what I just mentioned, that I've never seen anything like this. You go down a narrow staircase that almost is like a winding staircase, and you're thinking, you know, where where like am I down. going? Yeah, straight down, 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 down. And there, there is an elevator for people okay. who have difficulty, yeah. but, you know, I was doing the stairs, and Come all the way to the bottom, and they said, all right, now you just go down this little alley here, and then you come slightly out of the alley, and you look out, and you are looking out on the Mediterranean in all its aqua gorgeousness. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And you realize that you are walking into, in the Palisades, a natural cave in the oh! cliffs, it was formed naturally. It's not that some people and sometimes carve them out to live in. No, this is gigantic. It's a natural cave with some wow. stalactites, stalagmites, and it was the royal palace at one time. Okay. It's filled with tables, and you are in both the cave and on the cliff overlooking the splashing aqua water. I have never had an experience like this. I was so staggered. I, there are, now, there are pictures on the website. You might have to scroll back because mm. we've been filling in the album as we go. This is the picture to see. You'll see three, four. It's How high stunning. up were you, like? Not From that the, high. So you
3: could hear the water oh, hitting the cliffs.
1: Yes. and Wow. But you, so you sit, I mean, it's very kind of a posh, you know, it's a little elegant service, just right on. Yeah. And then out comes the food. The food was so amazing. First comes out uh, kind of an appetizer, and it is in the middle, there is a buffalo mozzarella, you know, the very runny. Creamy. creamy style. Yeah. yeah. So that's local and yeah. unbelievable. They wrap around that thin slices of speck carpaccio. So that's yeah. wrapped around the outside. <laughs> Yum. Then on the top, inside this wrapping, there are these purple pearls. And we said to them, "What is this?" And they said, "Those are balsamic pearls, oh sure oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so from chemical, yeah, 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 yeah you know, yeah, yeah. gastronomy, yeah, and apparently Little you can get of... you can get them in the United States. Yeah. I didn't even I've never sure. seen these before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I looked I've it up. You can yep. get them in the United States, balsamic pearls and they pop in your mouth. So you're taking a bite of all of this as you go through the runny mozzarella and the speck, and the balsamic (laughs) pearl is popping in your mouth. It's one of the most delicious things I've ever had. I absolutely love it. primitivos that they were bringing to the table, these wines with the primitivo, unbelievably delicious. Yeah. The meat on that, I had fish, and then I tasted somebody else's meat. (laughs) The steak was unreal the most staggering place to go. And I am telling you right now that at some point, I'm going to lead another trip to Puglia because of that restaurant. It's one of those things where you say, once in my lifetime, I have to be in a setting like this because you're never going to see anything like it again. There was a farm where somebody bought a castle and no one knew what to do with it. So this couple said we're farmers. If the state will give us some funding, we'll start restoring this. We're going to run it as a farm in an inn. And that's what they did. And we went there and they make olive oil. It's the largest olive oil producing region in all of Italy. Everywhere you go, there are the most gorgeous olive trees that twist. Because the they're wind. following the sun, oh, like a sunflower. Yeah. That's why wow. they twist, and it's the farmer's job to keep them, let them twist, but they don't want them to hold, go to the side because they'll fall over in a storm. So you see them all propped up while they're still growing. The olive oil is unbelievable. Fresh, right? In, yeah. in Puglia. It's still that farmland yeah. there. And yeah. then we went to a place called Savi. This is run by a Nicola Savi, was probably trained. He's a teacher and a chef. He's the most remarkable man. He's trained more of the greatest chefs in all of Italy than you, I could ever say. And so when he goes anywhere, out comes the red carpet. Oh, sure. It's through Carlo's Pasta here in Connecticut, we had a connection to him, and he hosted us at Savi. His restaurant. Oh, nice. He makes crepes. Now we think of crepes as dessert crepes with what? Bananas, with greens, strawberries, cream, strawberries, chocolate.
2: Yeah. Chocolate, yeah. Nutella.
1: He makes savory crepes like you've never seen in your life. Oh, you know, one I might come out stuffed with something and then there's a langoustine stretched across the top.
2: Oh, nice.
1: He made us, though, the crepe that is the most popular crepe in the 30 years he's been doing this. Their ham and cheese all diced up oh. and then a little bit of a sauce that he's created and then he folds it all up so that it looks like a round crepe and then back in the butter again um, and it br- they brown melts. the outside and the inside melts and he serves it to you and you just think, okay. You really need to come to America. This is yeah. very important that you come to our
2: <laughs> our country and set up I, a chain of those restaurants around the why country. why
1: don't creperies make it here?
3: It's not what we eat. In the 70s, there was one that was Le Crepe, right? That went around the States, but it didn't make it.
1: There's one in Greenwich that's been yeah. there a long time. Yeah. You can make them gluten-free by sure. using buckwheat, buckwheat and yeah. Uh, yeah. corn flour. He made some of those for us. Delicious.
2: There was one up in the Berkshires in Lenox, Mass., and uh, right in the downtown area where they were making, like, butternut squash crepes. Oh, yeah. you yeah. Know, it's the and, most versatile. Yeah. I mean put just... anything in them.
1: Yes. But I want these savory ones because one of the most delicious things I've ever had is to have that. It's just there's something about the proportions, the yeah. outside. It makes me think maybe I'll try crunch. it for a while. Yeah. Right? Run a crepe yeah. special. Well, anyway, that was our trip to Puglia with uh, 40 listeners who were the most fun. And I'm back at the drawing board. I had such a good time. I'm back at the drawing board to see what trip might be next. So you be sure and write in and let us know what you want us to do. But I don't know. We have some ideas. We were talking about it here on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: I got some ideas. I
1: know. I know you do. All right. Quickly, as we're getting to Ina Garten is joining us in just a few minutes, I wanted to talk about this wine— Which is a Prosecco from the Pasqua Winery. We've had them on the air. They did 11 minutes.
3: The 11-minute rosé,
2: yeah. uh,
1: Which was... Made the summer. You know what? Let me just tell you something because I am proud of this. (laughs) Do you know how many bottles of that wine were sold from that piece on this show?
2: It was over 3,000 cases. Wow.
1: That's not normal, right? That is
2: not that is not the norm. <laughs> that is definitely not the norm. So people and are truly appreciating that wine and listening.
1: When someone does something great, it makes me so happy. I am interested in Prosecco. Sometimes I get disappointed because the bubbles aren't fine or it's a little too floral and I want it to be drier. A little bit more in the direction of a dry champagne. So can only be from a certain region in Italy to get the name Prosecco. And this one is, it's around $20. It's a Prosecco made almost in that method, Champenoise. So, Mark, tell us about this, where this comes from. It's so good. So
2: this is— Fine bubbles. Yeah. So this is the Romeo and Juliet Prosecco that they make. Mm. And it's uh, got that funky label that we've seen on the white and the red that like we've graffiti. had on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's a snapshot of the, the Wall of Juliet where 3,000 people a day write love notes on the wall. Aww. So it's, that's really cool. But what's in the bottle is a brute Prosecco. Where a lot of the market is filled with extra dry, which tends to be a little on the sweeter side, a little more fruity. Didn't know this yet. is a yeah. brut. This means it's really bone dry Prosecco. It's still a little...
1: friendly. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like you say, oh, this is so They're... bitter or anything. It's No, just, it's not super tart. Just it's just. It's delicious.
2: Really got some wonderful sort of uh, Granny Smith apple to it. It's real crisp, real refreshing, and great for this time of year. It We're uh, is. celebrating, right? Yeah. Yeah, From here to the end coming. of the year.
1: I've got to say at the holidays, because there is so much food and people just stopping by or, you you know, you have more people over for dinner. A lot of times this would be fabulous to pour either when they come in the door or when they're sitting down to dinner. A lot of times the food can be so rich or there's so much of it. I need something light. Yeah. And I'm a believer like you are, Mark and Chris, that this goes with everything.
2: It's refreshing. It's a refreshing drink.
1: Celebratory. Happiness in a glass. It's at our website. Picture of the label. You can just take it to the store, call ahead. They can't stock everything. They should have it to you within 24 hours. We tell you what distributor they are on the site. Go to foodschmooze.org. Schmooze like SCH, like school, M O O like the cow, Z E. <laughs> foodschmooze.org. Romeo and Juliet Prosecco, around $20 and As good as a lot of champagnes that I've had. This is really fantastic, except that it's true Prosecco, but in a drier, more exquisite, actually higher quality taste than I've seen in a long time. So I love that. Good way to start the holidays. Yeah. Okay. Also, sorry, my voice is playing some tricks on me. (laughs) This is the season for that, too. Uh, More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. That's because our special guest is Ina Garten with her new cookbook. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and of course, we'll be right back. Sign up for our free podcast, a copy of the show. It arrives in your inbox. You just go to our site once, and then it's taken care of. And that's foodschmooze.org. And with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine expert Mark Raymond, and I've been waiting for this. Ina Garten is where she is because of who she is. So returning to our show, which always delights me, with the newest of her many cookbooks, we have the Food Network star and best thrower of dinner parties, I'm told, Ina Garten, author of Cook Like a Pro. I don't want that to scare you because that might sound like, oh, that's not me. But oh, when you see these recipes or hear about these recipes, you're going to realize I think it is for you. Ina, welcome back to the Fooch
0: So happy to talk to you. Me
1: too. So I have to go immediately to something you did in this cookbook, which I think is kind of genius.
0: Can't imagine what that is, (laughs) Bay.
1: <laughs> Am I the first to say this?
0: This is, doesn't usually come up in a conversation, but just go ahead. I don't want to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're supposed to say, "Do go on." <laughs> oh yes, do go on. <laughs> um,
1: chicken marbella has been oh. updated. Of course, this comes from Sheila Lucan, Silver Palette and, and
0: Russo. Yeah, and
1: so yeah. So many people, maybe not some youngsters, but a lot of people have oh made this gosh. dish about a hundred times. And I have always felt that a little something, as much as I loved it, it's the perfect, easy thing to make for a crowd of people. Yeah. I couldn't get it. And I'm excited about this recipe. Anna, tell me what you did.
0: As Nora Ephron said, in the 80s in New York City, every time you went to a dinner party, they served chicken Marbella. <laughs> and there were two reasons for it. It's the easiest dinner party dish you could ever make because you mix everything together as you remember and you put it in the refrigerator overnight and you take the entire pan and throw it in the oven sauce and marinade and everything, and it comes out incredibly well. And the mm. second reason why I love it is it has so much flavor. But when I revisited it, it just didn't quite – I don't know whether the ingredients are different now or whether we expect more flavor from things that we make now, but it just needs a little something. It was a little too sweet. That might be something that you tasted. It was a little y- too, yeah. cut down on the, on the brown sugar at the end, that caramelization. But I also ramped up the seasonings just a little bit. And ended up with exactly the chicken barbea of your, of your memory, actually. <laughs> oh. of what we remember was so good about it. There's something about chicken and prunes and olives that just sound very strange, and they're so good.
1: Give me a second to just tell people who are of a certain age who might not, or maybe don't <laughs> cook, and might not know. We so automatically think, of course you know it's in chicken barbea, but olive oil, red wine vinegar, prunes... Large green olives, capers, bay leaves, garlic, some dried oregano. A lot of garlic. Yeah, I see that. Kosher salt, chicken pieces, light brown sugar, which has been lightened up in this recipe, and some dry white wine, like a pinot grigio, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that's what comes together in the pan that gets popped into the oven. And it Love is. I know. Right <laughs> okay, I want to hear from Chris on this. We asked Chris if he would make one of your recipes for us, and we just sat and ate it with a rosé I brought back from Italy and with Mark's prosecco. And are you
0: started to tell me that they are all <laughs> toasted over there. <laughs> So my own. No. No. I <laughs> know. <laughs> pour something really quickly. After hearing about that, I'm gonna get a coffee.
1: <laughs> okay. So this is your red wine braised okay. short ribs. I've made
0: that so much. It's oh. good. Are, you, are you happy with it? No, oh
2: it's ridiculous. God. I wanted more. It's just it's you know, perfect it, for this time of year too. As
1: some I, people say, it's sick. It. Yeah. It's, it's sick. It's sick. It's just so good. The it's sick. the highest compliment. It's sick.
0: <laughs> I made it for a friend of mine, and she texted me right afterwards, and she said, man, can you cook?
3: <laughs> that, that was the best compliment I ever got. Yeah. But you know what? I've made a lot of different short ribs, but yeah. the one thing that you did is it has Guinness in it.
0: Guinness Stout. Depths of flavor comes from that. You don't know what's in there, but it's just amazing flavor. Did you serve it the way I do with the creamy blue cheese grits?
3: No, we did a little bit of mashed potatoes. If I had them, I would have. That yeah. sounds awesome. And you'd awesome. all
0: be asleep now. <laughs> if <you had>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? right? But, you <laughs> but the red
1: wine in that gives it just something, right? I know. Yeah. That's so smart to figure out that both red wine and Guinness... We're going to be in the same thing together. That is really interesting.
0: You You know how beer and Guinness has that kind of smoky, I don't know, dark flavor? I just think really makes the red wine much deeper. And am I right? That was a pretty easy dish to make.
1: Yeah, We're talking about short ribs Mm -hmm. and olive oil, salt and pepper, leeks and celery and onions and carrots, lots of garlic, a bottle of... Uh, say burgundy,
0: coterone, any kind wine. of red wine, which you can also serve with it, which is great. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with has that. Something in it, you want to serve exactly the same one with yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Beef stock, crushed tomatoes in a can, that Guinness stout we were talking about, thyme, and then you can serve it on creamy blue cheese grits, celery root, and chickpea puree
0: certainly can serve it on, on mashed potatoes.
1: I mean, a thousand different things I can think uh, of. It's you just serve the way it, it comes
3: it. together is just so. The sauce, it's not just the way it tastes. It has this, like, look to, this shine on it. And I don't know if it's the combination different. of the beer and wine, yeah. but oh, well, so you could bathe a lot in of it, it.
0: A lot of it has to do with roasting the bones first. Yeah.
3: So right.
2: Instead of yep. just. Right, sauteing
0: them quickly. When you roast them, you really kind of caramelize the juices on the bones. I think that really helps it.
2: Whenever I think of braise, you know, I'm actually braising them in the pan. But I love your idea here where you actually just take the the short ribs and you roast them in the oven for a little while. Yeah. And then put them into the sauce.
0: And also, you know, you salt and pepper it before you put it into the oven. So. The seasoning actually gets into the meat. There's Mm -hmm. so many things that we have where the seasoning sits on the outside, like when you're roasting a chicken and you just season it at the end. It just, the inside of it doesn't have any great flavor. It just tastes salty. But if you season Mm -hmm. the short ribs and then roast them for a while, all of that flavor gets into the middle of the short ribs, which is, I think, the challenge for any kind of protein.
1: I want to pay another tribute to you. This is Ina Garten, and her new cookbook is called Cook Like a Pro. These are recipes and tips for home cooks. The other tribute to you is that Chris and I, our studios are in the culinary education department at Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven, Mm -hmm. and we love, we're big, big community college supporters. So they asked... Chris and me to pick something, invite the public, and to pick something that we would make as the featured cooks, you know, do a demo with the screen, the TV screen, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. So we said, absolutely, we would do it. So we're going to do it November 7th at 6 o'clock. Mark is choosing perfect wine for this dish. It's the Gateway Community College. It's going to be a three-course meal. But, Ina, we decided out of 50 billion cookbook authors.
0: At least 50 billion, I'm <laughs> sure there are.
1: <laughs> we we're making this yes. red wine bray short ribs for oh, me. you from are? You. Oh, oh yeah. that's great. Yeah, we're going to that. tout your cookbook because oh, yeah. we oh, yeah. think this is incredible. You. Thank you. Yeah.
0: yeah. i so okay. like it that much. Sure. And it's easy, yeah, and we'd...
3: we can do it in a large batch so yeah. easily. Pop it in the oven, and you're done.
1: And if you can't stand that. You can get the book, all about the books, on our website, foodschmooze.org, and then also you'll see that recipe, and you just if you want to eyeball it, you'll know that when you come to see us or when you go get the book or pass it on to somebody, as a gift, you say to them, and I will be so honored to come to your house when you make the short ribs. You just that's,
0: <laughs> okay. That's true. <laughs> you know what would be fun to make with that? The orange roasted rainbow carrots. Oh. I know there are carrots in the short ribs, but there's something yep. about having roasted carrots with it that is just... Fantastic. Really? Crispy yeah. on the outside, did you just soft do on that? the inside. Yeah, I just did that, actually. Whoa.
1: You know, the holidays coming, and everybody seems to turn to green beans. So you have the haricot vert, the dressed-up green beans, <laughs> but with hazelnut Hazel and dill. dill. Ooh. Isn't it's that quite- a
0: combo? Yeah. I love well, it's a great. I like the flavors together, but also, to me, the texture of something is as important as the flavor. Yes. And yeah. and the kind of the crunchiness of the hazelnuts mm-hmm. with the string beans is just great. I love oh. That gives you a
3: new recipe for the holidays, right? Try yeah. this one instead of the classic yeah. one with cream and mushroom soup. This is
2: taking <laughs> so, it up yeah, a notch. Don't or two. do the
0: cream and mushroom <laughs> soup with the
3: with the French
2: fried <laughs> onion rings.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> know, well, maybe with the French fried onion rings. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: never scold people for wanting to be traditional and make the same meal over and over and over. But I always say it is fun to take one dish and change it. If you do a green bean a certain way, try this one. Yeah. Try another one. Foodschmooze.org for that. And, of course, in the book, Cook Like a Pro from Ina Garten. It's her new book. I'm a big potato galette fan. And because they get so crispy on the outside and they slightly creamy on the inside. How do you do these? What's the secret to getting it right?
0: I think adjusting the temperature on the stove just to make sure that you don't burn the outside Mm. before the inside is cooked. This actually was was a great recipe that started with the, it used to be called French Culinary Institute, but International Culinary Center in New York City. And I sent my assistant, Lydie there for cooking classes just because I thought she would find it really fun and instructive. And she did. And it's a wonderful, wonderful school. Mm -hmm. And they made a potato galette. And I love that you can just shred the potato on a, a mandolin. And you don't even need a mandolin. You can get one of those Japanese julienne cutters. And then you just press them into the pan and just cook it very slowly until the outside is really kind of crispy like French fries and the inside's creamy like really great potatoes. And the whole key is about seasoning it perfectly. It's like a uh-huh. giant French
1: fry. Yeah. And you sprinkle some minced chives on the top. Some chives, uh-huh. yeah, on the top. Oh, I gotta try that. Do you, try you, that. you you call for fleur de sel as the salt you're sprinkling on? Do you find really truly that there is the great difference in salts that you can notice if you're somebody's house, would you say, Oh, what a beautiful fleur de sel, or would you just say nothing?
0: I know there are a million different kinds of, you know, purple salt from the Himalayas or whatever, (laughs) Himalayan sea salt. I actually don't know a lot about them, but I do know that there are several that I use all the time, and I use them consistently for certain things. I never use classic table salt because of the Mm. kind of metallic, what they put in it to keep it, like, free-flowing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a little harsh. I always use, um, what is it, Uh, uh, Kosher salt, and I'm just trying to think. Diamond crystal. Diamond Crystal, <laughs> thank you. Red because box. if you use a different <laughs> kosher salt, like David's um, kosher salt, is actually saltier than Diamond Crystal, so oh. I always stick to one. Yeah, that, um, that's the best. And then I think Fleur de Sel has a, a lightness; it's briny, not. Salty. So, as a finished salt, it's fantastic. Textural mm. too,
3: right? There's different and size l- crystals. A little bit,
0: right? Yeah. Exactly. Then the only other salt I use is Malden Flake Sea Salt. Oh yeah, Love when that. you want something that has like, like a crunch to it, or if I'm doing like a chicken pot pie, I'll brush the top with an egg wash and then sprinkle it with Malden Flake Sea nice. Salt and some pepper, and it just has that texture. So it looks salty and peppery. Yeah, Um, those are basically the three I use all the time, and for exactly those purposes.
1: Yeah, um... Oh, wait a minute, it just flew out of my head, this salt thing. <laughs> oh,
0: welcome to my world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Somebody I know. told me recently that my brain is like a library. Some books are easy to find, and some are harder. <laughs> that pretty much did
1: it. I'm using that. I love it. <laughs> you know, we would be at a dinner party at my house, and we say things like, um, you know, what's his name who was in that movie? Um, you know, the, the one... Um, you think you've got the answer and they say, no, no, he wasn't in that
0: because he was in um, (laughs) the other thing. thing. (laughs) That's (laughs) the whole thing.
2: And nobody knows about who anybody's talking about.
0: They were trying to think of somebody's name. Finally, they said, you know, I can't remember. Is he alive or is he dead? (laughs) (laughs) And my husband, Jeffrey, said, oh, now I know who it is.
2: (laughs) It's a good place to
1: start. (laughs) Oh, my God. You see why we love Ina. Okay. Ina Garten. Her book is called Cook Like a Pro. It's just out. Oh, wait. I know what I was going to say about the salt. This remark you made about regular table salt having a metallic taste to it. I have a theory that gluten-free baked products taste slightly metallic and weird, partly because they're using the cheapest salt they can. And it has that metallicy thing because it tastes metallic to me. All the baked goods, yeah. And be, so maybe possible, just a theory
0: for baking gluten free. I always use Thomas Keller's cup for cup.
1: Yeah, I, great I, I have that
0: spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just, everything tastes exactly the same except cookies, which are just ever so slightly crisper. They're actually better. It's just fantastic, and I don't think it has any of that kind of metallic yeah. at all.
1: Oh, wow. I'm gonna, I've got that in my freezer. I'm going to dig that out now. Wow, I'm having such a good time. I just looked at the clock. and We've got to take a quick a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation with Ina Garten, who's back on the show. We're going to be asking her about, she has this dessert that just when she tests it, I heard dinner parties, people go crazy. She's going to tell us all about that. We love the local and ask you to support your local food growers and food makers. We'll take this quick break and we'll be right back. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and, of course, the Hamptons. Senior producer is Robin Doyan Aiken. And to hear this show, the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. And as we go back to Ina Garten and her new cookbook, cook like a pro, I wanted to let you know about a food event, award-winning Good News restaurant and bar, which is created and co-owned by Chef Carol Peck and her husband Bernard Harrier, is celebrating 25 years since its first opening its doors on Main Street in Woodbury. And so many of us here on the show eat at this restaurant. It is so good. Anyway, happy 25th. To commemorate this milestone—this is so Carol and Bernard—they've decided they're going to host an anniversary celebration at the restaurant to benefit somebody else, and that would be the Promperog River Watershed Coalition— Woodbury Community Services and the Woodbury Fire and Ambulance Associations. Who, who doesn't support this? But that's so typical of them to do something. They're going to have a big buffet of delicious fall specialties and wines and beer on tap, birthday cake, live music for dancing, tickets $80 per person. And, of course, the funds go to those organizations I mentioned, and you get to see the new restaurant. They have totally Redone. Good news. Chris has gotten his sneak peek and said it's just fabulous. Of course, I would be there for the food and drink and to support these three organizations. I actually know them. Happy anniversary, good news, and um, hope to see you there. At 25 years,
3: not too many places have gone that long, and she is amazing.
1: Okay, we're going to go back to Ina. Yeah,
3: and I know she's going to talk about desserts coming up, too.
1: Okay, the butternut squash gratin. With the holidays coming, I can't help but mention this again on our site. It's butter, olive oil, yellow onions, garlic, of course, butternut squash, ground nutmeg, as you might suspect, some heavy cream, and breadcrumbs from a country loaf, which is really what makes this, that textural thing that Ina Mm. loves, and grated Gruyere cheese with butternut.
0: Actually, I do so much butternut squash that every once in a while my editor says, it's enough already with butternut squash. (laughs) I just... I just think it's so delicious. And for the holidays, it's great because you can make a huge gratin dish of Mm. this. You can assemble it in advance, put it in the refrigerator, and then just throw it in the oven before dinner. Best recipes.
1: Uh, Love it. I know. When you're home and you're doing that, you know, throw-together thing, what do you turn to most often? You mean like I'm cooking for myself? Yeah, you're just by yourself. going to whip something together.
0: That would never happen. (laughs) 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 I would say I cook because I love to take care of people. You know, I love to take um, care of Jeffrey and my friends. And I yeah. don't cook for myself. I don't think I've ever taken out a sauté pan to make dinner for myself. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm <laughs> the same.
1: That's the best story. I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um I, of course, fell in love with anything that's got sort of a crunchy outside with cheese. It makes me happy. And so I, and as soon as I got to your Parmesan pesto zucchini sticks, I thought, oh, now in this world of ours, you can get zucchini all year long, assuming you're not eating within 50 miles of your house, as some people do. <laughs> you know, this is great with garlic and panko breadcrumbs, Parmesan cheese. Red pepper flakes, give it a little snap, and that Maldon salt. Easy to do, right?
0: So easy to do. And I love that when you roast the zucchini like this, big long strips of zucchini, it gets very creamy. And mm. then the panko crumbs and pesto become like crunchy. Again, that's a, a really great textural thing.
1: Now that you've been hearing us, I'm going to back into this question you hear what it's like. You can see that cook like a pro doesn't mean you have to jump to a level so that you, too, can have a cooking show on television. And know. <laughs> would you talk about what you were getting at with this?
0: Sure. I did the kinds of recipes I usually do, easy recipes that you can make at home, and they're things you want to eat at home. They're not restaurant recipes where you have to make demi-glace in order to prepare the dish. But mm-hmm. in each recipe, there's what I call a pro tip, something that pros know about how to make the recipe that a lot of people don't know at home, like for cauliflower. Somebody Mm -hmm. wrote to me and said, when I cut the cauliflower, it gets all over the kitchen. And I couldn't imagine what they were talking about. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, if you cut the cauliflower through the top, you know, that rounded top, the florets are going to get all over the kitchen. But what, what I would naturally do from years of cooking is turn it over, cut out the core, and pull the florets apart. So you not only um, don't get cauliflower all over your kitchen, but also all the florets are whole. They don't have, a, like, a cut mark on them. So it looks nicer. So the so knife goes through. You just cut out the core from the underside. It's from the underside. I see. You turn it over, cut out the core, and then cut the florets apart without cutting through the florets. Like you would with an apple. So each recipe has something like that. There's a dessert that's a chocolate pecan meringue tort. Mm-hmm. Like how to make beautiful chocolate curls. Restaurant pastry chefs know how to do it, but there's a trick to it, and it's a very simple trick using a microwave and a vegetable peeler. Each recipe has pro tips that I've learned from being around restaurant kitchens or especially food store kitchens and professional cooks that I just like people could use at home and they'd feel like they were doing it the right way and cooking with confidence.
1: That's what I took from your book, Confidence. Let's do something that is a favorite of mine as well as yours, and it is that (laughs) fried chicken sandwich. Uh, It's so good. Oh, my God.
0: I I actually made it for a friend who has had dinner at my house, I'd say, like twice a month for years. And after I made this, he said, I think this is the best thing you've ever made. (laughs) (laughs) It was was the fried chicken sandwich from Shake Shack. I know. (laughs) You know what the secret to that is? It's a a bun with, you know, a special sauce, a buttermilk sauce, which is incredible, and herbs and then a chicken breast that's been breaded and fried. The secret to that is something I actually had been thinking about doing for a while, and then the Shake Shack book came along, and they did what I'd been thinking about. I thought, that's going to work, is you marinate the chicken in buttermilk, then you put it in a flour and seasoned mixture, and then you put it back in the marinade, and then you put it back in the flour. So it's got like a double crust Ooh. on it. Oh yeah. And so yeah. then when you when you cook it, it just gets really crunchy on the outside. And because of the buttermilk marinade, the chicken is really flavorful. All the seasonings get into the chicken and the buttermilk makes it really tender.
1: I would serve this for a dinner. Oh okay. yeah.
0: I you did? did. <gasps> what party? happened? Absolutely. People went crazy. They were just like, oh, my God, that's the best thing you've ever made. I'm like, really?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I ran
1: sandwich? out of time, and I wanted to do something <laughs> quick and easy.
0: <laughs> wow. Can you just
1: think of the wine that would be so perfect with this sandwich? Isn't it like, Oh, oh my yeah. God.
0: You know what else I make a Riesling. lot? Riesling. I mean, I, I remember serving it the first time to, like, six people, and there was a moment where everybody started eating it, and they were like, dead silent. They were like, mmm. <laughs> so oh, it's, it's the pork pozole. It's something between a soup and a stew. Yeah. And then on top, I serve it with lime wedges because lime, that edge with lime is really great. Sliced avocado, sliced scallions, sliced radishes, which have a little heat, yeah. um, grated cheddar and sour cream. People just go crazy over it. I think one of the most successful things I've ever served at a dinner party. Are you sometimes using the dinner party as a test? Always. not Sometimes, always. Mm. You know, when I'm testing recipes, I'll test them over and over and over and over again. One of them I remember doing like 25 times just to make sure it's exactly what I'm looking for, like the flavors are right and the texture's right and it's easy to make. And then when I'm done, I hand it to my assistant and watch her make it I'll see her, like, read the instructions and hesitate. And I'll go, okay, what was your question? And she'll tell me, and I'll just write the answer in the margin. So people feel like mm. I'm standing next to them while they're making the recipe. Oh, that's very great to know. know. I don't know what they would do with a written word. I know what I meant, but whether I actually said it right. Cut mm-hmm. something crosswise can be lots of different things. Yeah. So I want sure. it to be very specific. I and know. if it's too complicated to do for a dinner party, It doesn't go in the
1: book. This is Ina Garten, and her newest book is called Cook Like a Pro. This is for food you make at home, but every recipe has a little box next to it with a pro tip, things Ina has invented herself or picked up from somebody else through the years and relies on. So she's passing those onto us. I just looked at the pozole. Oh, yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite things, yeah. too, and I just looked at that picture and thought, oh, Yum boy. Lunch again. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, round uh, two. <laughs> that would definitely be a dinner at Once my house. One time husband. round two. <laughs> so when, people, when you invite people to dinner, do they tell you their food issues? You and have you ask. seen the num? you always ask, and I have you
0: seen ask. the number of issues go up? Actually, Dan Barber at Stone Barns told mm-hmm. me this thing about gluten that maybe all of you know, but I I thought it was really interesting. In the past 20 years, people have had a huge increase in gluten allergies. Yeah. It turns out that in the past 20 or 25 years, the wheat producers have been increasing the, the amount of gluten in wheat so mm-hmm. that the bread producers don't have to work so hard to make bread. Interesting. Oh,
2: interesting. That high those gluten. two
0: things correspond. I don't know whether they're selecting for high gluten or whether they're engineering it for high gluten, however they're doing it the new wheat that they're producing is different from the wheat 30 years ago. Yes, yes, And so we have gluten allergies for a reason. So what I do is I I ask everybody what they don't like to eat. I don't even say allergic. Like, I don't like cilantro. I'm not allergic to it. I just hate it. So (laughs) I I just ask anybody what they don't eat. And, you know, I usually get back responses like squirrel. and (laughs) Possum. Snarky, things like that. But I write down what everybody doesn't want to eat in my contacts, you know, with Uh. their name and Mm -hmm. what they don't eat and and then i just make one menu that everybody can eat it's the best way to do it. it's a little bit of a puzzle but you know i can always do it and if somebody's vegetarian and i feel like making a you know standing rib roast i'll make sure that there are enough vegetables and substantial ones
2: or you just don't invite that person (laughs) they get x'd off the list well
0: you know my my philosophy is i only invite people i love there you yeah. go. So if I love them I yeah. want them to have a really good meal Right, care right. of. And I don't want them to have like everybody has the fabulous meal and they're over there with a plate of pasta with butter and parmesan. I think a shared meal means everybody's eating the same thing. True. Agreed. Yeah. And they feel included and supported and taken care of. So, I, I do
1: have a vegetarian friend who says if I get one more, you hit it right on the head, I know If I get one more bowl of pasta with yeah. some cheese grated on the top, yeah. I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> yeah. you know it's not a vegetable. Like part of the party. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You've been cooking for so long and, you know, so well. You've done it commercially. You've done it in your house. Those of us at home as you know we can we can get scared mm-hmm. to handle a whole you know meal for say six people and hey, then stop
0: right there i find it scary and i've been you doing do? it professionally for 40 years I do. I get, Jeffrey knows in the 15 minutes before people arrive, don't talk to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I want you to feel when you arrive that oh, it was just something I whipped up in the few minutes before you got here. But yeah. Jeffrey knows the truth. It's just I've been sweating bullets for hours before. So uh, I totally understand that.
1: That's so encouraging to me.
0: It's 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 the human condition, I think.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say though that that's why the poor vegetarian ends up with a bowl of pasta because we just <laughs> we're too scared to think. I have, what else can I do? I can't well, do I one just, more dish.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's not about doing something else.
1: Yeah, it's I got you.
0: Doing a menu, it's just caring enough to plan a menu that everybody can eat and and everybody can enjoy it, and you don't have you just don't have a problem.
1: Let's put in a a quick dessert, Ina. You told me that people kind of go crazy over this one, and it is, well, the holiday's coming. I thought, well, let's, it sounds so scary, but it's raspberry-baked Alaska.
0: I mean, it's very dramatic, and it's actually quite easy, and the best part is you can make it the day before. So what it is is it's a scoop of ice cream, and I actually dip the scoop half in vanilla ice cream, and the rest of the scoop in raspberry. So you have vanilla and raspberry together, and I I love those two flavors together always. Mm. And then the outside is meringue. It needs to be really messy, so when you bake it, the outside gets brown and all the kind of edges get really browned. And then I serve it with a little fresh raspberry sauce. But you can assemble those little balls of baked Alaska and put it in the freezer, and then just throw it in the oven before you serve dessert. Yeah, what
1: people might not realize is that you're working from store-bought pound cake, store-bought raspberry sorbet, sorbet, Um, vanilla ice cream, cream, and we seem to like the same brands. And then so the cooking is the meringue, just whipping up the egg whites with sugar and vanilla and cream of tartar and kosher salt and and making a little bit of raspberry sauce.
0: Which, Which is literally you cook some raspberries in water for, I don't know, 10 minutes until they're soft. You put them in a food processor with some raspberry jam, and you puree it, and a little framboise. That's it.
1: And you tested this at a dinner party.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Many times. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, you have to test it a lot just to make sure it's really good.
1: (laughs) I know. Where's that sign-up sheet? How How do we get on that sheet? I'll
2: just. text you my contact with all my, uh,
0: <laughs> Your allergies. All,
2: my all my food favorites.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, not the allergies. It's the opposite of what you like. Yes. <laughs> I need, I need dogs at my party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I have the best time with you. I really do. And,
0: isn't it wonderful? I just, yeah. just had such a good time talking to you, always. Yeah, but you too. have to promise me that you're going to come stop when you come by. I will. If you just text me and say you're coming over.
1: Okay, I okay? will. Okay, thanks, <laughs> I know. That's so sweet. Um, okay, the book is called... Called Ina Garten Cook Like a Pro, but these are recipes and tips for home cooks with a little box on each of the recipe pages with a little professional like tip that will make things easier for you, make you understand something, and you'll want to use these just the way Ina does, but all the recipes completely doable and some I'm going to turn to in these holidays coming up for sure. One Thanksgiving, as Ina knows, we cooked the entire meal start to finish from her book. Every single dish. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? The best. All right, cool. It was so delicious. And, and at yeah. the end, we said to each other, my sister and I, we said, wow, this shows us that our food was not very good. We should be (laughs) cooking at this level.
0: One of the things I love about what I do is I love writing cookbooks. But the thing that I wasn't prepared for is that I'm giving people the tools to do it for themselves. And when you serve it and people say, you made this yourself, we feel good about it. Yeah. That's just a really wonderful sort of unintended consequence of what I do. And I'm just really happy about it.
1: I'm glad you do it. Keep going. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) All right. Take care, Ina. Bye-bye. Bye. We're on Connecticut Public Radio, Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.